0: You know, we live in a culture at the moment with so many discouraging words, um, so many things being said to one another that are just not encouraging they're just really really discouraging you know if you go online and you um, go on Facebook or any of the social media sites and read some of the comments you just think how can people say that to one another you know and I think it's this kind of thing that you're behind a screen and it gives you permission just to say whatever you like but actually those things are really really hurtful and um, it's really discouraging and then you go and turn on the news You know, and you look at the news at the moment and it's it's just dreadful, isn't it? We were saying we had um, a Wednesday gathering a couple of weeks ago now. I think it was Adam was speaking and he said in your groups, um, chat about um, some good news story that you've heard recently on the news. You know what, our group couldn't come up with anything. All we could come up with was a new baby koala had been born. <laughs> that was about it. Um, it's really, really hard to think about good news. You know, it's a hard time to live. And do you know what, I really believe it's affecting the mental health, um, especially of our young people, but of our world in general. You know, I went to a meeting um, this week um, and. Um, I was really saddened about the way young people were spoken about, about how they haven't got, they don't really care anymore, they're not really bothered, they're apathetic, you know, and actually that's not true, that's not true. Our young people have got passion and drive and they want a bit of adventure and a bit of excitement, but it's for us to release that in our young people. It's no wonder that the depression rates, they say, of 14 to 16-year-olds have risen by 60% in the last five years. Now, I know that we've had COVID and isolation and all these different things that have added to that, but it's a really stressful time for people living. You know, um, suicides of young people have sadly doubled in the past decade, which is an unbelievably sad statistic. And every single week, I could say since the beginning of the year, I've spoken to someone during the week who just can't see a point to life who just feel like there is no hope and it's all a bit hopeless. And the rise in social media has made this undoubtedly so much worse. It really has. We can no longer... Um, I, I'm guilty of this, um, of thinking, oh, you know, well when we were young, we had it hard too and you just have to kind of get through it. No, it's not. It's a different day. It is a completely different day that our young people are going through at this time. We need to just be in prayer and support our young people because this is such a difficult time for them. They are going through challenges that we never had to face, even just with mobile phones, you know. We used to go home from school and at least for most of us, I would pray, um, we would go home and it would be our safe place from the day. But now you go home and you take that with you because you've still got it on your phone. You know, it continues. It's a tough time. It's so difficult. And the rise in social media has made it worse. There's a young um, female singer who many um, of you will have heard of, well, not maybe many of you, but the front two rows might have heard of, um, called um, Olivia Rodrigo, okay? And she sung a song that has a title called Jealousy, Jealousy. And this is what the lyrics say. Um, You're looking at me like I haven't got a clue, look. (laughs) this is what the lyrics say in the song i kind of want to throw my phone across the room because all i see are girls too good to be true with paper white teeth and perfect bodies i wish i didn't care comparison is slowly killing me i think i think too much about kids who don't know me isn't that so true we're worried about people who we're never going to meet who we're never going to know us, we worry about their opinions, and that 's what um is being faced today and it 's not just our younger people it 's all generations it 's our older people too we 're living in a day where it 's difficult. I spoke to someone this week about um, Guernsey's a tough place to live, you know we live in a culture don 't we where even if we 're just popping into town, we feel like we have to put our face on us women and and uh, you know put dress because we might bump into somebody that 's how we live isn 't it it 's tough it 's a hard place to be. And I could talk all morning about ways and techniques and things that we can do and programs we could put into place to help people who are struggling. But I really believe that as we've been thinking about discipleship over the past few weeks, there's one thing that stands out about our own personal discipleship and our own personal walk um, with Jesus that not only brings change to our lives, but being, brings transformation to the lives of those around us. And that is to to live a life of integrity and authenticity to live a life of integrity and authenticity not being afraid um to be the real real people and show the real us and this is so badly needed because you know what our young people our work colleagues our friends our families those who we come in contact with you may not be aware but they're watching you They are watching. They're watching our behavior. They're not just listening to what we say, but they're watching our actions and the way it follows through um, from what we're saying. They're watching. Are we going to be consistent in what we say? If we say, we're here for you, we care about you, are we there for them? Do we care about them? If we say we're going to pray for them, are we praying for them? Do we come back to them and say, I felt God said this? For you they're listening and they're watching um, and one of the biggest things that keeps people away from the church is you often hear people say oh the church is hypocritical it's hypocrisy and so we have um, an opportunity I suppose to change that as I asked the question of us this morning are we living our lives with integrity are we living a life of integrity where people really do know that our words matter because we're following through with our actions. And I want to have a look at a man who lived a life of integrity. The story of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. I'm sure you all know it and have heard it. Um, I'm sure that you've, if you've grown up through Sunday school, you'll have come home with a little lion mask or roared at people. That's, that's the story that we know. Okay. But I want us just to look at a couple of points. Um, but because these can sometimes become so familiar to us that we miss actually some vital truths that God wants to say. It's a story of a real man who was thrown into a real lion's pit. So here's Daniel and he's put into the lion's den. And uh, I love to think to myself that he sung a whim away while he was in the lion's den. No, I'm not joking. And uh, while he's in the lion's den, but he put his faith in God and he survived a night with the lions okay and this story could be turned round okay it could be turned around not Daniel in the lion's den but the lions in Daniel's den okay because God was in control all the time God was in control of this situation all the time and it's not just a story of a miracle of a man who survived a night in a lion's den as often we say but actually it's a story of a child of God facing adversity facing a trial and actually coming through and giving the victory and the glory to God, okay? And we all have those fiery um, furnaces, valleys, lion's dens to go through in our lives. And If we were in control personally, if you were in control of your life, if you could map it out, I'm sure each one of us would kind of use Tippex and erase those bits that were difficult and hard and think, actually, I'll just have an easy life. I'll just take away those hardship bits and those struggles. But you know what, it's often through those hardships that we learn the greatest lessons. And this is true of Daniel and his life too. Maybe you're in a lion's den right now of some kind. And I want you to take heart this morning. Um, because we're going to see how Daniel, despite the worst circumstances, came through and brought glory to God in this situation. Daniel chapter 6, um, it obviously starts where da- Chapter five finished. Okay, and chapter five. um, In chapter five, we see the conclusion of the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar's died. Belshazzar, his grandson, okay, has defied God, and now Darius is in charge. Okay, so this is where we pick up. And Daniel, he all the time while he's there alongside Darius and with the others, just radiates goodness and integrity. It's just kind of in his veins. He just is this man of integrity and goodness. So Darius sees this. Darius recognizes this trait in Daniel's life and ends up putting him in charge of everything, going to be, gonna put him in charge of everything. And this is where our sto- story begins in Daniel chapter six. So it will come up on the screens here it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Now, what is a satrap? You might think, that's a bit of a bizarre word, okay? Think of like a governor, okay? So governors, I'll use governors, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The governors were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the governors tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. They were jealous. They tried to find charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. What a character he was. So what can we learn from Daniel? What set him apart? Firstly, Daniel was a spiritual man. He was a spirit-filled man. He knew the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, he had exceptional qualities and that was the reason he was called out, because he had exceptional qualities. But the King James version says he had an excellent spirit in him. He had an excellent spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit um, was Daniel. An excellent spirit. So the spirit was not just an afterthought, or something he tagged on at the end of his busy day. He was completely Overwhelmed, consumed by the Holy Spirit. He was a man whose life revolved around his commitment to God. His commitment to God was first and foremost in his mind. It affected and permeated through everything that he said and did. The Holy Spirit just permeated through. And that's important because sometimes I think we're guilty of feeling that when someone says that, a spiritual person or, or spirit-filled—that in some ways we think they're a bit weird, wacky, and can't relate to the world around them. That is not true. That is not true. Daniel was living in the real world, he, and when we're filled with the Spirit, we're actually become more practical as well. Do you know that? We're helped with the practical tasks. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love and self-control. Self-control is very down to earth. It's kind of for those daily decisions that we have to make, those daily choices. That's what the Holy Spirit lives in us for, for self-control, for power and love. And when we think of the Holy Spirit, we might kind of anticipate some emotional experience that we're going to have. And although that might happen, most of the time it doesn't have to be emotional. You know, I have to say to you that when I'm prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's normally a very normal experience that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, ready for my Monday morning to go into, so I can have practical make my those practical decisions wisely, filled with the Spirit. And maybe it's important for us to understand what the word filling with the Spirit means. So in Ephesians 5, the translation is filling the wind of the sails of a ship. It's like filling the wind, filling the sails with winds. The wind of God wants to fill the sails of your ship. Why? To keep you moving along the sea of life. If you haven't got wind in your sails, you stop. Okay. And that's the same as our, our lives, as our Christian journey. We need to be filled with the Spirit just to keep moving, just to keep moving on. And sometimes you might get a big and you go a bit quicker. <laughs> Other times it might be a little gentle breeze, just keeping, keeping you going in a very gentle way. But it's to keep us going, keep us moving on. Another translation of the word filled is to be permeated, to permeate everything that we do. That the Holy Spirit just, you know, yeah, permeates our, our beings in everything that we think and we say and we do and is part of all that we're involved with. Yes, the Holy Spirit will be part of our worship and our prayer lives, but the Holy Spirit will also be part of our family life, our business decisions, our, our education, our schoolwork, our college work. When we go on holiday, when we're relaxing, you know, by the pool. Holy Spirit permeates us. It's not like we go on holiday from our faith. Holy Spirit permeates everything, everything that we are. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us and leads us. That's what it means to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led believer. Holy Spirit permeates us. And as I've banged on and on and on and on about, and you're probably sick to death of hearing, it's not a one-time thing. It's a constant, a constant filling of, Of the Holy Spirit over and over again. You know, in the second lockdown, um, it was quite cold in the second lockdown. First lockdown, we were all like, This is okay, we can go outside, we can sunbathe, it's all right. Second lockdown, we were all a bit in our houses and freezing. Anyway, one day we got up and the heating wasn't working, it was all just off and it was freezing cold. And I'm like, Martin, there's something wrong with the boiler, go and sort it out. Martin's checking the boiler and he's doing and going around each heater, you know, like you do, and you try and bleed them and all that, and then we realized it run out of oil. Okay. So it's quite simple problem. You run out of oil. It's not going to work. Okay. But that's the same with life, isn't it? Exactly the same is true. We're cruising along fine. The heating's on. Our marriage is fine. Children are fine. Friendships are fine. Work's fine. And then suddenly something comes along and it like knocks you off your feet. Where did that come from? Lost my job or marriage problems or relationships someone at work's been really difficult and you think where did that come from and if there's nothing in the tank we kind of just stop don't we it knocks us off and it's really really hard and we need a refill I want to say Holy Spirit come and give me the power to be a better wife that's a practical thing Holy Spirit come help me be a better dad to my children help me to be a better friend, help me to be a better colleague. Whatever it is you've called me to be, help me to be the best that I can be through making godly decisions by my whole life being permeated and filled by your Holy Spirit let the Holy Spirit fill your sails. Let the Holy Spirit permeate your life again. Daniel was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And that stands out through this story. I encourage you just go and read this story. I'm only picking out little bits today. Go and read the story as you see his life filled with the Holy Spirit. And can I also add that he was a spiritual man living in a very unspiritual place. Babylon was idol central okay? It was idol central, a place of idolatry and immorality. And, you know, we can look back and we can think, oh, yeah, very bad place, full of idolatry and immorality. Do you know what? We're not, I think we're there today, again, you know? We might not drive along and see a big golden statue or idols around with people bowing down, but we have our idols. We have idols that look so different today. You know, our phones, I know I bang on about our phones, our social media or um, whatever it is, we have things, stuff, possessions, bigger houses, bigger cars, whatever it is, we have those things that we feel, that we feel will kind of make us okay in life. So we fill our lives with stuff. And those are our idols today and the immorality today. And do you know what? I think Guernsey, for all of its beauty and amazingness, it's a hard place spiritually. It's dry ground. It's parched, not just Guernsey, but our nation. It's a hard place. It's dry ground. It's a parched land. It's hard to live a spirit-filled life in this place at this time. You're doing a great job. I'm proud of our church community. I'm proud of our church family because it's hard. I get it. That's why it's important to be together, where we can get a bit of building up and encouragement. But it's hard. It's really, really hard ground. And Daniel was in the midst of this all. And he was living in this luxurious palace. And despite all the temptations, Daniel was able to remain strong spiritually. If we look at Daniel, he didn't merely just survive. He flourished. He flourished in his faith. And here's what can happen when we kind of start, you know, making a difference in the world. We can either blend in and just try and like not rock any boats and just end up sort of looking a bit like the world. Or we can decide, actually, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be counted and I'm going to make a difference. How about standing up for Jesus? And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like when you're thinking like, oh yeah, if you're on a, you know, like, oh yeah, some people go out on a binge drinking and it's saying no, like that. It doesn't mean need to be that. It doesn't need to be like that. It can just be like speaking up for truth in the office when everyone else is putting someone down. It can just be the person who washes up the coffee mugs in the, in the kitchen because they're always all left there waiting for someone to do them. It can just be those little things do you know, that really make a difference in the world around us? There's a true story of a fisherman. Um, and uh, they were fishermen, they were trying to solve the problem about how to get their cod from one side of the country to the other. Okay, so they were catching all this cod, they're putting them in a big tank, but the journey was so far that by the time they got to the other side, this is a true story, this is not one of my made up ones, um, the, um, the, the time they got there, the cod had died. So they were like, that's a waste. So they thought, we'll freeze the fish, take it across frozen. But then people were complaining about the frozen fish because they said it had been frozen. And when they cooked it, it was mushy. So they weren't buying it. So one fisherman came up with a great idea. And he said, if if we put the enemy of the fish in the tank, which is a catfish, apparently cod don't like catfish, and put catfish in the tank, then it'll keep them swimming. And you know, they got to the other side alive because the the cod kept swimming for their life away from the catfish, okay? I thought it was hilarious, but yeah, it's a little story. You know, maybe God has placed a catfish in your tank at this moment, okay? Maybe he's put a catfish in your tank to keep you alive and well spiritually, to keep you moving on, to keep you pressing forward. You know, the person who's always hassling you, the family member, the neighbour, the colleague, um, the student, you know, who's your catfish in your tank at the moment, okay? Don't don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, I'm sure you can say, but uh, who, who, what all that situation, what's your catfish in your tank at the moment that's making you swim for dear life and hang on to God like he's your only one who can rescue you? You know, sometimes God puts a catfish in our tank. They're like, it's just like Daniel, spiritual man in an unspiritual place made him stronger. It made him cling to his God. And number two, Daniel was a man of purpose and integrity. He clung to God. Verse four says he was faithful and honest and always responsible. What a character reference in a job. If you received, if you were gonna employ someone and it said they're faithful, honest and always responsible, you'd say, tick, 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 I'm gonna employ that person. That's who Daniel was. Could that be said of you this morning? Could that be said of each one of us this morning? What would be put on your character reference on a job form? And this goes right back to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. I say, just read through the story because it's a great, a great story. But I'm just going to skip over it. It goes back to um, Daniel chapter 1. When we read in Daniel, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion at the king's table. Daniel was brought um, as a captive from Israel, along with, you, you remember the funny names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay funny named people, Um, but they were brought to go to to Babylon. They were brought into the king's court and they were going to be schooled and trained in the way of the Babylonians. This gave them the opportunity to eat some amazing food. And this might sound fantastic, but they had this opportunity to eat at the king's table. It would have been extravagant. It would have been amazing. It would have been luxurious. Think about the best meal you've ever been to. Times that by 10, it would have been awesome. Okay, certainly far better than any of the ordinary food that an average captive would have had in Babylon at that time. But Daniel and the three others, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they purposed in their heart not to eat the food from the king's table table. They were making their decision on their commitment to God, and he honored them for their commitment. And they took a stand in a relatively small area, a very small area that had significance for later on in the larger thing that God was going to trust them with. For they gave them the strength. They knew Daniel could stand in the small thing. So could he stand in the larger thing, which we know is going to be the lion's den? Um, and that's why we all need to know our purpose. We need to know the direction. Otherwise, we can end up throwing our purpose and our direction away by making small, unwise, small choices. It might only seem like a small thing that we have to make the decision on but actually it might be significant later on the decisions that I'm going to speak to the young the young adults now the decisions that we're making now will impact how we end up at the end of our lives the decisions that we make today will have an impact later on and this is um, what Daniel did Uh, he made wise decisions early on which impacted his stand later on And you know, you know, well-known saying, if you aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. Okay. And sadly, that is true for so many people today, just walking around aimless, walking around, not knowing their purpose, not knowing the plan that there is for their lives. And so they're aimless. They don't know which choices to make, which one's good and which one's bad. We don't know because we don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what God's calling me to. I don't know even about a calling, So making unwise decisions. And another thing about Daniel is that his faith shaped his character, which meant that he got the promotion because of his hard work and his integrity. It was the character that won him him great prominence in this situation. And if we're allowing our lives to be shaped by Jesus and our characters becoming like Jesus, then we should be the most desirable people to be around You know, I want to, in the office, I want to be next to Sean because Sean always encourages me. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He listens to what I say. We want to be around. People want to be around us because of our character. They should be saying that that person, you know, um, Harry, he's faithful. He's hardworking. He's trustworthy. That's what we say about Harry You know, um, lots of people want everyone to know that they're a Christian, and that's a good thing. I'm not anti that. I'm not anti little fish on the back of your car, okay? But make sure you drive like you've got a little fish on the back of your car. Let's be people of integrity. Let's be the people um, that we say that we are, okay? it's okay, just deliver the goods, okay? We should deliver the best that we can do. If you're a landscaper, be the best landscaper. If you're a baker, be the best baker. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher. You know, if you're a student, be the best student you can be. Whatever you do, work at it as if you're working at it For God, because that's good, and this is how it was for Daniel the king was preparing to make him the most powerful man in the entire kingdom next to Darius himself. We need to aim for quality and success, it's not a bad thing to aim to be successful when we're giving our all, when we're giving our all to God, however. It can bring a set of problems, as we read in Daniel, one of them being envy and jealousy of other people. And that's what we read in Daniel. Daniel's enemies were angry. They were jealous. They were jealous of him. But the Bible said they could find no wrong in Daniel. So even if people come against us, if our character has integrity and authenticity, they could find nothing to accuse Daniel of. And that brings us finally onto our final point quickly. Daniel knew the God whom he served. He had trust in a God who he knew. He knew the God whom he was serving. Daniel's enemies knew that they couldn't stop Daniel. They knew there was nothing they could say against Daniel as a man unless they had some way of coming between Daniel and his God, because they knew that God was Daniel's all in all. That the Holy Spirit permeated through Daniel, that he was always going to give his all. So they managed to convince um, Darius, as we know, to sign this decree that no one could pray to their God for 30 days um, except for the king. And actually, the king passed that law, he passed it forbidding anyone to pray to any God. So, what did Daniel do? What did Daniel do at this moment? He didn't change a thing he didn't change a thing. He prayed anyway. The trap was laid. The king was distressed at realizing what he had done. Even he he couldn't change his own decree. So he sent Daniel into this lion's den. And Daniel was in this lion's den, but the lions left him alone. Now, was it that they were godly lions? Did they come to know Jesus? No, they weren't godly lions. Were they not hungry lions? No. I'm sure they were very hungry lions, but none of them wanted to mess with the one that God had chosen for this time. God was in control. And do you know what? I like to think that Daniel got a good seven hours sleep that night. I like to think he went off to sleep in peace because Daniel knew what real peace was. Real peace, being able to lay your head on your pillow at night at peace with God, knowing that you don't carry any guilt, Committing every detail of your life over to a God who loves you more than anyone else ever could. Going off to sleep saying, God, I trust you. I trust you for my tomorrow morning. Whatever it might bring, whatever this night's going to bring. God, I trust you as I drift off to sleep. That wasn't my timer to say. Time up, I don't think. (laughs) Squeaky, squeaky, squeak. God shut the lion's mouths and Daniel was saved. He was saved. It is worth noting here that God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den because he could have done that. He could have said, you don't have to go through that experience. He had the power to do that. And he has the power to not allow any hardship or, or trouble into your lives. God has the power to do that. But sometimes God will allow us to go through difficulties to go through hardships? Do you find yourself today in a lion's den? Does it feel as though actually I'm being proud upon, I'm being watched? As Daniel, you feel like you've got people plotting destruction against you. That might sound strange, but in your head, you know exactly what I mean, because there's people saying things or, or situations that seem out of control. We certainly know that we have an adversary who prowls around like a lion, waiting to devour us. That's what the Bible tells us. Each one of us, that's a challenge. Maybe at the moment you feel like the heat is on, the pressure's on. You wonder if you can hold on to your faith, and you're confused and you're not sure and you don't understand this. You're just not sure what's happening. You know, Daniel refused to be distracted from the purpose that was in his heart. He refused to get distracted. He maintained his priorities. He kept his cool in the face of opposition. We don't see him lose it. And he had such intimidating circumstances that it would have been easy just to throw it all in. But he hung on to God because he knew. He knew who God was. He had trust and he had faith to believe that God was in control. And you know what the world needs now, more than anything right now, is men and women and young people with integrity, with that kind of integrity. Just like Daniel, real and authentic faith, who know who their God is. People are watching to see how we're living our lives day by day, you know, people are turning up here, even yesterday, the day before, someone just turned up on the doorstep. You know, they want us to speak into their lives because they're desperately in need. They're watching us. They know where to come. People are watching to see, are we really who we say we are? Who are we turning to when we're faced with the lions? People are looking, what happens to them? What happens? You know, people look at Martin, what happens now he's in hot water? Now he's got a difficult situation. What's he going to do now? Is he going to jack in his faith and walk away from God? Or is his faith going to become his all in all? Is God going to become all in all? To do that, we need to be overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can do it. I say that again this morning, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need a filling of the Holy Spirit day by day, leading us, guiding us, equipping us day by day by day to make those right decisions. We need to understand our purpose, live our lives with integrity, giving our best to all that we do and to the people around us, not just the dregs left in the tank, but we need to give our best to the people around us. And finally, we really need to know and understand the awesome God, the awesome God that we serve, who we have a privilege of calling father, we have the privilege of calling friend, and we have the privilege of calling our king. He's won the victory.